whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Thursday. Coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan Lavoy. Brooks Childress will be with us in a little while. Really looking forward to today's edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. We've got a lot to discuss in the life of the Auburn football program as the coaching staff continues to get put together by Hugh Freeze, who's just been named the head coach for the Auburn Tigers for the first time, 31st head coach in the history of the program. We'll discuss that on today's show. At 4.30, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com is a part of the program. Later in the program at 5.15, Chris Gordy, is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He'll give us his thoughts and insights from a wide view. Also, we'll get a full preview of that SEC championship game set to take place a little bit later this weekend between LSU and Georgia. And, uh, of course, we'll talk about the NFL here on this Thursday as we tend to do. So it's going to be a really fun show here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy right now on the program. And, of course, we've got our Super 7 games currently airing on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. So it has turned out to be a relatively busy Thursday here on the 1st of December. Ryan, I hope you're doing well, man. Good to see you. Uh, I am doing well. Good to see you as well, JJ. Yeah, starting with the Super 7 last night, uh, we talked a little bit about it leading up to the game between uh, Thompson and Auburn High, and unfortunately for Auburn, Thompson came out uh, guns blazing, and uh, we did note that Thompson had three losses, but the eighth-grade quarterback really changed their season uh, midway through the year. And so Thompson was hell on wheels. Auburn couldn't stop it. And uh, so congrats to Thompson. Auburn not able to get their redemption from a few years ago, but still a great season nevertheless to make it to the state championship final. And, yeah, we're going to be keep going all day long. Just had the 3A, got the I think the 1A right now. 5A will be tonight. I'm excited about that one between Ramsey out of Birmingham and uh, Charles Henderson out of Troy. And, uh, yeah, the, it's always great to have the Super 7. And I also want to go back to that Auburn game. There was a lot of people in the stands last night inside of Jordan-Hare. Uh, we were making fun of a little bit of Campbell for having only 6,500 yeah. seats. And I said, there's going to be more people there tonight. Oh, yeah, they blew that out of the waddle, uh, water. Excuse me, there's uh, tens of thousands of people there, probably twenty or 30,000 if I had to guess. So uh, it was a, a really good crowd, and uh, it was good to see that. Um, as far as college football, uh, I know we're going to talk more about it in depth, but really excited that the Rose Bowl did not hold everyone up. They agreed to the terms of the of the playoff moving up, and so the contract was supposed to run 2026. Yeah, tell us what that means, Ryan. Yeah, the, the contract was supposed to run till 2026, uh, but a lot of money's on the line. If they could move it up, they'd still make more money. It still makes sense. You agree to do it, so how about you do it as soon as possible? And so now they're moving up to 2024, which means this playoff here in about a month. And then next year, the last two times, we'll see a four-team playoff. Then we will be going to that 12-team model. Again, refresher on the model. You want to just go ahead and talk Let's about do it? it. Deep dive dive in. The 12-team model, the highest six-ranked conference champions. So that does not dictate a particular conference. Okay, There's no power five. There's no group of five, technically, under this model. It's the highest-ranked Power six conferences. So 
say the ACC were, were to be another train wreck one year and Clemson not be ranked like they normally are, Florida State be struggling, say a unranked team won the ACC and there was a ranked team in the other four Power Five conference as we know them today, say there's a ranked conference champion out of the AAC like Tulane and say there's a ranked Power Five champion, say out of the Mountain West like Boise State or something, what we'd seen in years past, then the ACC wouldn't get a team. They would be out. So it's the highest ranked six conferences regardless of affiliation and then you've got six um at large bids those would be from obviously any conference i don't think there's a limitation on how many a conference can get and again reminder you have to be a conference champion to get a buy so the first four the top four teams get a buy uh teams five through 12 play in the first round at home sites that means the five seed six seed seven seed eight seed host a first-round playoff game. On their college campus. Wherever they want that to be. Wherever they um, want it to be. So okay. uh, I, let me give, let me see if there would ever be an example that would make sense. Um, say you had a really small uh, conference team host. So I, I don't know. Let's say, let's just say. Can we use Cincinnati from last year or is that not good enough? Uh, maybe you want to go smaller than Cincinnati. Okay. I'm just trying to think of a, of a scenario. So let's say Georgia Southern or something has a small Shout stadium. Out Statesboro. Maybe Georgia Southern would want to host a playoff game in Atlanta instead. I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying it can sure. be your home stadium or a stadium that you designate. So it can be a bigger stadium or something that that's you would also be. But but in other words, it's up to the the the, the higher seat at that point. Again, it'd be very unlikely that Georgia Southern would would uh, <laughs> would be ranked that high. But again, just using some sort of example there. But uh, you you have to be a conference champion to be in the top four, and so five through eight would have host a playoff game in the first round. And then when we get to the quarterfinals, so eight teams remain. Uh, those are neutral site big bowl games again: Cotton Bowl, Peach Bowl, uh, you know, Orange Bowl, whatever you know, whatever those bowl games might be, Rose Bowl. Um, those are now um, the, the neutral sites that will be involved in both the uh, semifinals and qu- or quarterfinals and semifinals, and then they've designated national championship sites for the first couple of playoffs. The playoff that culminates in January 2025 will be in Atlanta, and the playoff that culminates in January 2026 will be, I believe, in Miami. Okay. So they have already laid that out as well. And they have laid out, by the way, the particular bowls in 24 and 25, but I don't have that in front of me. But, again, it involves all those big bowls that we've we've known from the New Year's Six here the last several years. So uh, that's the long rundown of it. Very excited about it uh, for multitude of reasons. I think the most important reason that I'll finish with for now is just we will finally enter a college football season where every single team, every single team, has legitimate access to make the playoff, to make its championship tournament. And that has never happened before. You can say, oh, Cincinnati proved you can. They proved that they can. But you can't tell me that New Mexico State, if they went undefeated, could have had a chance to play for a national championship. Would they win? Very, very unlikely they would They would win. But that's not the point. College football has been the only sport where teams have started the season not being able to win a championship, period. That's the only sport that's true. You can say that the, the odds are very small in the other sports, like college basketball. You can say, oh, Texas Southern can't win the NCAA tournament. Okay, great, but they can at least get there. 
they can at least have the opportunity to do it. And the opportunity has not been present in college football until the year 2024. And of your conference champions, of the ACC champion and the SEC champion, for example, it is a committee that is still choosing who is the better yes. team of, correct? Okay. Yes, still be a committee. Um, now, there's still going to be layers to it in that I still think that since they're moving this up, I still think things could change in 26. So I think there, I think that the way I understand it is 24 and 25 will happen, but there also can be kind of test runs because this contract was supposed to start in 26. So I don't, I'm not sure if they can change some things in 26 if they deem it shouldn't be a committee anymore. Uh, a lot of people have been starting to sway back towards maybe a BCS system or letting computers handle it or, or just something else. Uh, I would like to remind people that for the most part, uh, they, put, they spit out what the BCS would have spit out, um, you know, if that were still the system. And the BCS has typically agreed with, with the rankings, especially the top five or six teams. The BCS has – has been mirror images been of it. Yeah. Now there might be some changes as you get to seven and eight, and then on down the list, which would become more relevant in a twelve-team scenario. But for the most part, the BCS this, especially this year, has agreed with the committee. So I know that there are imperfections and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I think it will be a committee approach still uh, moving forward. Big news in the college football world, and we're talking about all things college football. Uh, in regards to the Auburn Tigers, as we said on Tuesday, Hugh Freeze was officially introduced as the next head coach for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, he retained Cadillac Williams, promoting him to associate head coach and running backs coach. It appears that Zach Etheridge, as uh, along with Christian Robinson, will have spots on this coaching staff. Uh, several various outlets are reporting a new defensive line coach hiring that we'll get to a little bit later in the program. Again, Auburn hasn't issued any press releases yet about these hires, but we're starting to get a better idea of what this first coaching staff will look like for new head coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, and then speaking of bowl games, Ryan, there's uh, some news regarding Auburn, and uh, we've been talking a lot. They're 5-7. and seven. They've got an amazing... APR score right now. Great academic progress taking place on the campus of Auburn University. But what is the bold news of the day uh, for the Auburn Tigers? Yeah, Auburn is now officially eliminated from uh, bowl contention. Uh, New Mexico State sent in a waiver to the NCAA last week uh, that as a 5-6 and six team, they were not given the opportunity to pick up a sixth qualifying win because their game with San Jose State was canceled due to a death in the San Jose State program uh, a, a month or two ago. And obviously, middle of the season, it's incredibly hard to find another FBS opponent. Now, New Mexico no State uh, did end up scheduling Valparaiso for this weekend to play another game. But I, again, I want to remind that um, FCS wins. You can only have one of them, and it count towards – a, a bowl berth. The second win does not. They do have a win over Lamar this year, which is FCS. Therefore, even if they were to beat Valparaiso, they would not be eligible under the traditional circumstances in the NCAA's mind for a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. 
So they put that waiver out there because they were prevented from playing another FBS opponent because of the unfortunate circumstances and tragic circumstances around San Jose State. And that waiver was approved by the NCAA. So whether so they as a five and six team about to play Valparaiso are are now being viewed as a six win team uh, in the eyes of the NCAA just for functionality standpoint. And so they are above priority of any five and seven team, regardless of APR. And so what that means is there are now currently two bowl slots remaining. One of them is going to Rice. They have the highest APR score. Um, and then the second one will go to either Buffalo, if they defeat Akron, or if they lose, it will be going to UNLV. Auburn had the third highest APR score. UNLV had the second highest score. So New Mexico State spot. New Mexico State qualifying now eliminates the possibility that Auburn could qualify. However, of course, if Buffalo wins, then even UNLV does not get to go. Auburn would technically be too short in that scenario, but this just guarantees they will not. And by the way, according to Brandon Marcello, uh, reporting today who was on our show uh, yesterday Auburn was not going to accept a bid anyway now there's questions if UNLV would accept a, a, a bid because they also are going through a coaching change um, but Auburn had a team meeting uh, they were very split maybe more so in favor of not playing were the players and now that a entire coaching staff is being turned over as a five and seven team uh, Brian Marcello says that Auburn would not have accepted a bid anyway. So Auburn's season is officially over. 334-887-3401 if you would like to call in to be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan Lavoy here in our studios ahead of our first time out here on today's program. Let's celebrate our birthdays. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports here today on December 1st. 2022 still can't get over that it's december already uh yesterday we celebrated bo jackson's birthday which is amazing because of that last name today i would like to celebrate deshaun jackson's birthday again outstanding because of his last name deshaun jackson 36 years old currently a wide receiver for the baltimore ravens a five-star wide receiver in high school and played college football at cal a two-time All-American, he declared for the draft after three years, holding several school and conference records, drafted in the second round of the 2008 draft by the Eagles. Deshaun Jackson is a three-time Pro Bowler. He's very fast. He and now is he's 36. Fast. And he's still pretty fast, even, yeah. even though he's old in football terms. Riley Reef is turning 34 years old today. An offensive tackle for the Chicago Bears. As a high schooler, Reef was a South Dakota Player of the Year and posted multiple state championships in wrestling and track and field events. He played college football at Iowa and was an All-American as a junior. Declared for the 2012 draft and selected 23rd overall by the Detroit Lions. Again, he currently plays for the Bears. Chicago Bears offensive tackle Riley Reef turns 34 years old today. Gary Payton II turns 30, a point guard for the Portland Trailblazers. 
Payton was born in Seattle, where his father, Gary Payton Sr., uh, played for the Supersonics and played college basketball at Salt Lake Community College, where he led the Bruins to a SWAC title and was a JUCO All-American. After his sophomore year, he transferred to Oregon State, where he was two-time All-Pac-12 and two-time Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, went undrafted, joined the G League, was the G League Defensive Player of the Year in 2021, and last year won an NBA championship with the Golden State Warriors. This offseason signed a deal with the Portland Trailblazers. At 30 years old, Gary Payton II is celebrating his birthday today. Yeah, his rise, I mean, one of perseverance. I know that he is the son of a, a legendary NBA player, but by no means, you know, just had it rolled out to him. As you said, had the starting community college, went undrafted out of the league. And, I mean, at, he still, as of a couple of years ago, was just kind of bouncing around trying to make a roster. And at his age 29 year last year, he becomes a, a pivotal uh, defensive specialist for Golden State, shot the three pretty well. And a lot of Warriors people were very upset that he was not able to be re-signed, that he took a bigger offer with Portland. But to his credit, I mean, look, he he achieved what he wanted to achieve success-wise. And now, as someone's had to grind his whole career, he wanted to take a nice paycheck. He deserved one. So that's what he did. And uh, a, a good story of perseverance was Gary Payton II. Now a one-time NBA champion with the Warriors. At the end of the month, on December 30th of this month, the Trailblazers will travel to Golden State for the first time this season, and he will finally get to hold onto his championship rank. You love when teams do that, letting the players come back and pick up their ring with their former teammates on hand. So December 30th, Gary Payton will get that championship ring from the Warriors. Larry Walker is 56 today. The former MLB right fielder, despite originally only playing ice hockey and volleyball in high school, he began playing baseball at 17 and signed with the Expos out of high school in 1984. In 1989, he was called up to the majors. He played until 2005, a five-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove winner, three-time Silver Slugger, one-time League MVP, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2020. Larry Walker is 56 years old. Lee Trevino is 83 years old today. The former golf pro, he grew up working at a country club, then golfed with the United States Marine Corps when he enlisted at 17. After his service, he returned to the United States and joined the PGA Tour. He joined the Champions Tour in 1990 and was a huge part of its early success. He has 29 PGA Tour wins including six majors. He also has 29 wins on the Champions Tour. Good for third all-time. Inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame in 1981, Lee Trevino is 83 years old. Hall of Famer, excellent career. In the grand scheme of things, Ryan, when you've got 29 wins on the PGA Tour. Pretty impressive? Absolutely. I mean, you're going up against 100-plus fields. Um, you know, you, I, again, you probably play 20 tournaments a year, 25, okay. and it is good if you win two. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really is. If you're a multi-time winner, you've had a good year. And, I mean, think about it. Tiger Woods. I, th- I, he, I think he passed Jack. He either tied him or passed him by one. 
on PGA Tour victories, and I think it's like 86 or something like that, 84, something in the 80s. Yeah. And, and Tiger had a career, which I know is now in length very long. He's had a lot of injuries the last seven or eight, but but had a career that you know took him 15 plus years to reach 80 plus wins, even at the legendary rate he was at. So even then, he's winning five, six tournaments a year. And that's legendary. So big time praise um, for Lee Trevino. Absolutely, then. yeah. Twenty nine wins in his career on the PGA Tour. Our last birthday today is a man celebrating his thirtieth birthday, much like Gary Payton the second turning thirty years old today. We've got Javier Baez, a shortstop for the Detroit Tigers, born in Puerto Rico and moved to Florida as a child, where he discovered baseball. A high school All American. Drafted by the Cubs at ninth overall in 2011, a two-time All-Star, one-time Silver Slugger, one-time Gold Glove winner, 2016 NLCS MVP, and won the 2016 World Series with the Chicago Cubs. Javier Baez turns 30 years old today. Fun player. And uh, just wrapped up his first season there with the Tigers. Birthdays in Sports, presented by our friends at Max Credit Union. They've got... All of your banking needs with two locations here in the area, one in Auburn on Gay Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with all of your banking needs. December 1st, 2022, we'd like to wish a very happy birthday to Deshaun Daxon. Daxon. Deshaun Jackson. Uh, that's the first time I've ever mispronounced my last name. That was fun. Uh, Riley Reef, Gary Payton II, Javier Baez, Larry Walker, and Lee Trevino all celebrating their birthdays today. All right, we've got to take a time out. Your phone calls do up next here on Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy here on this Thursday. A reminder what to expect on our program today. Brian Matthews at 4.30, Chris Gordy at 5.15, a nightly TV guy at the end of the program. will also uh, make some NFL predictions ahead of a fun week. Football tonight in the National Football League. Features an AFC East showdown between the Patriots and Bills. Should be a whole lot of fun in that one. Hugh Freeze is the head coach for your Auburn Tigers on the football field, and we are seeing reports uh, starting last night. Mike Giddens of the War Report first reported it that uh, Jeremy Garrett expected to be named the defensive line coach for the Auburn Tigers. So uh, first one in place again. We're going to total this number up to 10 coaches, Ryan. Uh, And if we do some math with Cadillac Williams, Zach Etheridge, Christian Robinson, Jeremy Garrett, 
That's four. Ten minus four, six. Uh, we got some more names to wow. get out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, educating people today. Well, and again, it is it is believed that Robinson and and sure um, Etheridge Etheridge will be retained on the staff, but we don't know the roles. Sure, and I, you know, there's I guess there's a possibility they could be downgraded slightly and be more of an analyst or off the field role. I mean, I don't know if they'd accept that, but until we have reported, sure that they have a role etched in stone i i prefer to look at it that they've still got eight right. openings but you know i think that and still waiting for the press release on this jeremy well, garrett guy technical yeah yeah uh, and he was at liberty last year um they were third in the nation in sacks this year by the way liberty was they had 41 sacks um, Pretty good. So Garrett came from the Cleveland Browns. He was an assistant D-line coach there in 20 and 21. He was a, a defensive quality control analyst for Vandy in 2019. Other than that, it's high school experience. So a guy still relatively new, but, I mean, hard to argue with the results of his one year at D-line at Liberty. I mean, you're third in the nation in sacks, and we know Liberty still played some pretty quality competition, ultimately a couple P5s in, in Virginia Tech and Arkansas. Uh, had some other games against decent teams as well. So, uh, you know, they, they you know, the, I can understand that higher. And, uh, you know, we'll see um, exactly how fast-paced this goes. I would anticipate that the interesting thing is I would anticipate the coordinators to be next, all right, because typically since that's going to be your leader of a unit of the ball, especially the defensive coordinator, you wouldn't want to necessarily fill up a whole staff of guys and then hire up the DC, would you? I mean, usually you would, you would hire think so. the DC and maybe hire guys around him and maybe some, maybe a guy or two that he really likes. So, especially if you've got someone that is a more experienced defensive coordinator, which there are several potential candidates on the board for that. So, you know, I, I think that I think it's totally reasonable to see Hugh Freeze hire someone from Liberty first. Uh, just to make sure he gets someone he really, really likes in there, uh, regardless on on what the new defensive coordinator or new coordinator would say. But I would expect that um, next up would be some coordinators here, maybe one offensive staff member or something before. So, um, you know, I, I don't – I personally – I, I want a couple of guys he's comfortable with, and I want a couple splash names too. Uh, I'm okay accepting a couple of Liberty's people, especially this guy who, again, uh, seems to be young but but seems to have a really good start to his college coaching career. But you also need to get a couple guys that you know to be high profile, and we've we've said his name till we're blue in the face about Matt Luke on the offensive line. I think would just be a um, an obviously good move. There's a bunch of defensive coordinator candidates that would make me satisfied that, that seem like very good candidates. You know, I don't think anyone's going to have any gripes about Etheridge and Robinson staying on the staff to some capacity. So I, I think there's some good things in place here. But again, we got to let the, the whole staff play out. And as you alluded to at the beginning of this segment, that's still. There's still a lot of staff members to be filled out. A lot. A lot of work to be done by Hugh Freeze, and we know he's already on the phone, I'm sure, uh, trying to get these coaches in place. Uh, but Jeremy Garrett appears to be the first one 
on that defensive line. You mentioned coming from Liberty. You talked about his time in the NFL working with the Cleveland Browns. I really like the connection of uh, being a D-line coach for the Browns, whose defensive line prominently features a man by the name of Miles Garrett. No relation, despite the fact that the coach and players share the last name. That would be pretty epic if it's like, hey, this is actually Miles Garrett's older brother who was coaching him, uh, given how young in age they are. But again, no relation there. Uh, but he's been successful throughout his career so far as a coach. So uh, more updates set to come, I'm sure. And uh, we want to hear from you. What coaches would you like to see hired by Hugh Freeze to fill out this coaching staff? Call us, 334-887-3401. Let's take another time out. We're going to continue moving forward here on the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au now back to sports call on tiger on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy. Uh, a fun show so far. Thursday, December 1st, 2022. About one hour from now, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com will be on our program. And Chris Gordy from Locked on SEC joins us a little bit later in the hour as well. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Got a very pleasant surprise last night. Our good pal James from Opelika gave me a phone call yesterday to check in and said he's doing incredibly well excited about this uh new football coaching hire uh knew that uh, there were probably some folks wondering about him but he's making a recovery uh with some of the health issues that he's been going through it was good to hear from him he said he's looking forward to uh possibly surprising us one day and arguing with me as he loves to do and uh so maybe we'll hear from james again but certainly glad that that he's doing well if you want to call us you can do that, 334-887-3401 as we go back to our phone lines. And joining us here on the program now, we've got Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us on Sports Call. Hi, Steve. Hey, good afternoon, guys. This is a better, uh, light, a lighter mood uh, uh, version of me today. All right. Take my phone call. Yes, hey, sir. Uh, I'm glad to hear that James, I didn't know he was ill, so I'm glad he's apparently uh, We've been missing him, yeah. All right. Now, how about... Uh, any update on Mr. Shadow? Haven't heard from him in a long time. And James was asking for an update as well. I'm still trying to uh, gather all the information that I can. So hopefully we'll be able to hear from Shadow again sometime soon or at least uh, speak to within his family and get an update on him. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying my best to effort that for folks. So thank you okay. for asking again, Steve. Good. All right, well, let's keep going real quickly then. Uh, the volleyball team will be playing – Friday at 6.30 out here. I'm reading right now on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN+. And Plus, apparently they got, yeah. got their hands full with Creighton. 
14th ranked. I didn't know they were that good. Top 25 program, really good uh, a region of the country that's pretty successful in volleyball. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough test for Auburn. But uh, Coach Crouch was hoping to be here by year four, and the fact that he's got this program to the NCAA tournament in his third season is just outstanding. Well, here's something interesting from uh, Mark Murphy on his Auburn uh, Tiger Bits about the volleyball team. Um, didn't know this, but apparently Auburn is 17-1 and in matches this season when it wins set two. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is I, a, a fun stat. I mean, yeah. I don't know why that would be, but that's uh, the, the stat that he gave out. And we're 4-7 and seven when we lose set two. That's so strange. Yeah, you. I mean, you obviously want to set the tone in that first set, and, and I certainly can recall – Auburn dropping a first set, but then bouncing back in the, the uh, second and then putting work in the remainder of the match. Yeah, those are fun inf- uh, stats there, Steve. I didn't know anything about set Very being odd. that important, but I guess it must really matter. Yeah. All right, moving on, guys. You were talking about the new hires. And, yes, sir. Um, I, I was disappointed. I hope it's not a mistake that he like uh, I kill your go because I know a lot of recruits. In fact, we lost a wide receiver uh, apparently due to his close relation with I kill you, right? Yeah. Um, guys, you, you think that was not a good move, or do you think I hear it probably was okay to, to, to be let go? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, for some people they really, really did like Ike Hilliard, and he developed a, a close relationship with these wide receivers in the one year he was there. It's kind of tough to grade his performance overall. I think re- recruiting he was acceptable. Uh, you know, not phenomenal, not bad, just acceptable. Uh, and then positionally when we're talking about wide receiver play this year again it's kind of hard to evaluate to be quite honest not trying to be a cop-out but it's just the passing game was just kind of non-existence due to non-existent due to offensive line play Robbie Ashford had some clear inaccuracies this year so it's kind of hard to prove one way or another how well the wide receivers were being coached so you know this is definitely one where I think matter of opinion can be can be going either way on this one. And, again, it'll kind of come down to who he ends up hiring at wide receiver. But I definitely uh, at least have some sort of hesitation on on losing Ike Hilliard combined with that that uh, Adam Hopkins, I think, is the, the kid that uh, decommitted today. And what's interesting, yeah. too, is is this was the first real college job for Ike Hilliard, right? Coming over yeah, from, from being an NFL, NFL head coach yep. uh, and obviously starting in the NFL, had a great college career at Florida – and, uh, yeah, was doing a great job, it seemed, on the recruiting trail first year, really getting after it and doing it. So we will see um, what what replacements could be out there. I know there's a name trending on Auburn Undercover that we could get to in a moment. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, continuing with the coaching hires, um, it just seems to be kind of atypical for, uh, I guess, hires on the defensive side of the program without a defensive coordinator already been hired. Am I in, uh, am I taking a, um, uh, a wrong perspective on that? Yeah, I, I kind of mentioned that uh, last segment, Steve, and I, I was bringing it up that I wouldn't expect many more position hires until a coordinator is named. But I think this hire is probably maybe saying this is the one Liberty guy off that defensive side of the ball that he just absolutely wants on his staff. And I mentioned, you know, Liberty was third in the country in sacks this year. So their top three sack leaders were all defensive linemen. So it appeared that they did have an incredibly effective defensive line this year. So, you know, I I, I guess I can – I think it's probably more of that. Uh, Now, if he hires one or two more guys – 
uh, on that defensive staff before hiring a defense coordinator, that's really going to get eyebrow raising and be a little confusing. Just from the standpoint, I would think that a, a defensive coordinator would want you know, a good chunk of his own people to be a part of his defensive staff. It'd be a mix of guys that both the head coach and the defensive coordinator wants, especially when, again, keep going back to this, Hugh Freeze, or yeah, Hugh Freeze is an offensive guy that says he wants the defensive side of the ball to be up to the defensive coordinator. So I think this is an instance of his just getting his top guy to front, excuse me, his top guy from Liberty that he really likes, make sure he's got a place on this staff because he was very effective for them at Liberty this year, and then he might go get his defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, my concern is, you know, yeah, they may be ranked that high uh, in sacks, but against what kind of competition? You know, it's not probably against Power 5 uh, you know, uh, teams, so I'm, I'm hoping... Yeah, uh, but here's my rebuttal to that is what Liberty's not supposed to have great players themselves. It's not like they're an SEC caliber player beating up on you know, group of five players. They're group of five players that are outclassing other group of five players. Okay, fair enough. All right, moving, sticking with this um, offense, offensive, uh, you know, um, uh, scheming and everything, uh, I've read, you know, conflicting reports that are we going to be no longer a run-first offense, more of a uh, passing offense? Uh, people like Tank Bigsby, will they be, you know, uh, I guess, averse to even want to continue to returning or – or not, uh, guys? What's your take on on Harson's, uh, you know, uh, I guess scheme playing offensively? Freeze. Yeah. Uh, freeze. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at what Liberty did this year, uh, they ended up ultimately running. And now I can't. I don't know how many of these quarterback runs were designed or scrambles. I can just tell you the ultimate attempts. Ultimately, they rushed 472 times. They threw 375 times. So that's roughly, uh, what, 60% rushed the pass. I'm sure some of those were scrambles, so maybe we, we dock it down to 55-45 run. It, it seems pretty balanced based on what they did. And I think because uh, of thinking of years past with Malik Willis with him um, at Liberty, I, I definitely think he involves the quarterback in the run game. I definitely think that means there are going to be games where you end up more 60 or 65% run, and then there's going to be games where you might ultimately end up a little bit more pass if they don't call those design runs as much or the, or the quarterback doesn't scramble as much. So, no, I still see an offense that's very balanced overall uh, that will want its quarterback to probably do more than just pass. They'll want him involved in the run game. Okay, well, thanks for educating me there. Uh, speaking of that, uh, I see where Tank Bigsby, um, there's a column on that on 247 Sports Day, uh, is projected to be maybe like a fifth-round pick, uh, and that there's a deep, apparently, uh, selection for the uh, draft this year on running backs. Do you think it's best for Tank to go ahead and, you know, leave for the NFL, or do you think he would do, do any better by remaining and returning? I would, I would love to go see – I haven't seen that list of running back prospects and see how they all kind of order everybody. And I know you said Tank would be about fifth round. Typically, I would say fifth round guys should probably not go to the NFL. But running back is a position where you just have a finite amount of hits in your body that, that it yeah. can take. And running back is a position that – I mean, I've seen some of the best NFL running backs over the last few years by age 28 or 29 be done. 
just be completely done. Someone like Todd Gurley had four incredible years with the Rams and then all of a sudden off a cliff, done. So I think that if you're a running back and you will get drafted, and I still believe that Tank Bigsby absolutely will get drafted, I think you've got to go ahead and go. Um, because, again, could he come back? Could he have a big year? And could he go up another round or two? Sure. But, again, you've got a certain amount of hits that you can take. Running backs, they just seem to decline quicker than any other position in football because of the hits they take. Uh, anytime a running back has a chance to go, I think you got to go. Okay, fair enough. Now, real quickly, guys, I know my time is on, but you might want to read this article if you haven't already. It's from The Spun. And uh, the title of the column is Greg McElroy Blasts Playoff Committee for Ridiculous Rankings. Story by Chris Rosvalglu. Anyway, uh, have you read the article? We have not. I heard about what he said. He, he apparently, uh, and I agree, with, I support his views, that the committee has some real biases. I've said that before. He said he had a problem with Clemson dropping just one spot uh, after losing at home to previously unranked South Carolina. But then they dropped five spots. Uh, on Tennessee when they lost on the road to South Carolina, whereas Clemson lost at home to South Carolina. Uh, you guys, uh, you agree with his take in mind, or do you see it differently? Yeah, Tennessee seems to be the team that's most talked about as the potentially uh, you know, disingenuous ranking or uh, hypocritical ranking by the committee because, of course, they have the head-to-head on Alabama and we can get into all the top 25 wins and that sort of thing. But it is interesting because when Tennessee lost to South Carolina, A, they did get I mean, throttled. I mean, even though it was on the road, I mean, they lost by four possessions. At that time, South Carolina was not ranked, nor were they ranked in the poll coming into this week. However, they now, after South Carolina beats Clemson, they rank South Carolina uh, 19th or, or, or something like that. So in other words, they're basically saying at this point, Clemson lost to a top 20 team by a point. We're not killing them for it. However, that same team, in their eyes, was not a top 20 team the week before. Therefore, they're kind of judging Tennessee as an unranked loss compared to a top 20 loss, which is, which doesn't really sound right. I mean, it kind of is just. It seems like it's uh, it's just blocking out the week before and being compartmentalizing everything. So. I know there has been a lot of talk around Tennessee, and I certainly get why people are kind of poking it at just everything involving Tennessee's ranking. All right, well, quickly also, guys, what happens if this scenario occurs? Let's say USC loses to Utah. Okay. All right. Now, that means they have two losses. Does Ohio State then get in? That's the million-dollar question. Um, I lean towards yes, Unless USC loses by like a last second play or a field goal. If USC loses by seven to ten points or more, obviously, and then or they don't look good for whatever reason, commit a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of penalties, uh, I think that would open the door for Ohio State. Okay, here's my other dangerous question, which I, I don't even want to. Uh, last one for us, Steve, and then we'll get another call if in here. If TCU loses, they'll, they'll only have one loss. Does that keep them in the top four, or does Alabama somehow sneak in the back door? I think TCU will be fine because they will have the advantage of they're going to have less losses than Alabama, period. And that would be uh, a gross, uh, that would be grossly unfair to penalize a team that earned an extra game 
to then take them out of the playoff because of that extra game when it was very clear that they were ranked ahead uh, by, I know not by numbers-wise a sizable margin, but again, you're talking at this time an undefeated team compared to a two-loss team. You know That's a decent chunk of, 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 of a difference. And then to penalize that team for losing. Now, they can't get killed. No one here can, can lose by 40 points. So if they lost 49 to 10 or something egregious, I think we'd all have to have a different conversation. But as long as, as it's any kind of respectable loss, even if it's a 14-point loss, I just I don't see how you would penalize tennis, uh, TCU for, for get, earning an extra game. Well, I agree with your viewpoint. However, you know I'm leery of that brand name called Alabama. Yeah, I mean it's going to be in the back of people's minds. Can't say it's can't say it's not. All right, Jay. Yeah, I know you told me you warned me one more. But this is it. If you haven't read the article, it's about the college uh, playoff being stand at twelve. It's a really good article, and Luke he would probably uh, go along with this observation. But it's entitled "The Price Will Pay for College Football Playoff Expansion," written by Ari Wasserman. Uh, and from the athletic, and he takes a viewpoint that somehow this may in, end up having mediocre teams be allowed to make the playoffs when they shouldn't be. And so uh, it's a pretty interesting article. Not that I agree with his conclusions, but I thought you might be uh, aware of might want to read it. Maury Washerman, there we go. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. My time, I know, is always way up. So, again, y'all have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, talk tomorrow. No matter what. All right. Bye, guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. That's our pal, Tyron Dordam Steve, joining us on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 at Tiger 9 uh, I think I said Tyron Dordam yeah, Steve. I was trying to keep it together. Is retired, that like as uh, he likes to say. He wants the world to know. He is, in fact, retired. Uh, I do not believe he's tired. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Billy has called into the show. What's going on, Billy? Hey, hope you all doing well today. Yes, sir. Good. I don't know where Hugh Freeze was yesterday or last night, but I tell you this, I hope he was sitting in the stadium there at Jordan Hare and watching that young 14-year-old school, a 7A football team on offense. That right. kid was phenomenal. Yeah. Trent Seaborn, class of 2027, eighth grader. It's insane the, the performance he was able to, like 7A football in a state title game to put on a show like that was excellent. It was amazing. Is, is it safe to say that the best quarterback to play at Jordan-Hare this year was a 14-year-old from Thompson High School? <laughs> that could be safe to say at this point, I reckon. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just blown away. But uh, uh, piggybacking off your last caller, you sure. know, talking about uh, Tank, uh, I honestly feel like if, uh, if Tank entered the transfer portal this past summer and went to a school that had an offensive line that really would block for him and give him – some running lanes, I think he would be a first-round draft pick versus a fourth or fifth round. Uh, I think it hurt his stock, and I hate to say this, by staying at Auburn. Um, it's not his fault. Undoubtedly, uh, yeah. You know, but uh, you, let's, let's look He's at He's so Jamal special, Gibbs. yeah. Yeah, look at Jamal Gibbs. Do you think he, his draft status would have been as good as it is now if he stayed at uh, Georgia Tech? Not a chance. Yeah, he, he exactly. definitely made the best choice by going to Tuscaloosa. Exactly right. So, you know, that's, that's what the transfer portal does now. That's what it uh, does to these, these young players, and it gives them an opportunity that they might not be able to have, and you get instant success. So, you know, that's the good side of it. But anyway, uh, I love your show. Y'all doing a great job, and uh, keep up the good work. We appreciate the phone call. Give us a call again sometime, okay? 
Thank you. All right, that's our pal Billy joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of the show. Yeah, and look, it's December 1st, uh, which means the NFL draft is going to be right around the corner. And, man... Football. And Will Levis is going to be taken too high. Sheesh. You're <laughs> right not around kidding. the corner. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we've reached the end of hour number one. Our show continues in a moment alongside Ryan LaVoy. I'm JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoy, a Thursday edition of Sports Call is here. Uh, keep in mind, Auburn men's basketball will be back in action tomorrow. They'll take on Colgate from inside Neville Arena, 7 p.m. tip-off. Been over a week uh, since we've seen the Auburn Tigers in action. Last saw them on Sunday. They play again tomorrow. And, uh, of course, we're still talking all things Auburn football. Hugh Freeze trying to put his first staff together, and we're taking your phone calls, 334 334- 887-3401 or toll free at one 9 at Tiger9. As we go to the phone lines to open up the hour, first caller due up this hour is... Ed from Auburn. Ed has called into the program. What's going on, Ed? Hey, JJ. How y'all doing? Very well. How about you? I- I'm doing great. Uh, I- I'll just call in uh talk a little bit. Uh, first off, I wanted to give Auburn high uh, credit for, you know, getting to the state playoff and I mean, they run into what's really became Alabama, University of Alabama prep at Thompson. No you kidding. Know, almost like an IMG. You know, they go across everywhere. They get kids there. and they, <laughs> You know, it, it, I mean, everybody knows that. And I, I guess it's legal now. But um, but as far as running backs and, and the kid from there, did you know he's to his cousin? No, I had no clue. I, I really didn't realize. I did not know that, Ed. You were informing me right now. Wow. That's what I heard. Now, I haven't checked that, but that's what somebody I've... That's the chatter out there. Yeah, okay. Well, no, no. It's, it's my brother told me that, and I trust him a lot. Then we absolutely trust him. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but as far and the other running... But, but you know... Uh, uh, he may come to Auburn. I, I don't think that Thompson would. I, I, you know, all of that's 
everything changes, you know. But as far as people worrying about uh, Tank leaving, let me tell you, I, I would let Tank leave way quicker than I would let Jarquez Hunter because I will take nine yards plus per carry way before I will take four plus yards per carry. Yeah. I think Jarquez, Jarquez was so effective much, this year for sure. He's a much better running back. Right. Uh, and I, I think Damari Austin also is, is capable. And um, I, 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 have y'all heard – have y'all seen the Harson's wife's comments? I, I think I saw someone reference them, possibly, but uh, I, I don't know offhand that I know them for certain. That, that, that it went some. I haven't seen it, but it went something to the to the tune of uh, you know uh, our new coach. He freeze. Freeze. Yeah. Score. He, he can score with hookers. Well, by golly, at least he can score. War Eagle. Appreciate the call there, Ed. Uh, that's Ed from Auburn joining us on the show. 334-887-3401. Really impressive performance uh, last night from Thompson High School. Uh, now four straight championships for Thompson, which is uh, wild. Trent Seaborn is the eighth-grade quarterback that threw for over 200 yards and five touchdowns yesterday um, a, a name that's coming up right now, potentially linked to the Auburn wide receiver coach spot. Uh, just to pass along updates as we get them. Uh, don't be surprised if you hear about Grant Hurd potentially being the wide receiver coach for your Auburn Tigers. He was at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze from 2012 until 2016. He played for Ole Miss from 96 until 2000. And when he graduated, he was the all-time leading Ole Miss wide receiver in every category that you could think of as a wideout. Currently, right now, he's the wide receiver coach for our pal Gus Malzahn there at Central Florida. 887-3401, toll-free 888 tiger 9 Next, Matt from Valley. Matt's on the line. What's up, Matt? Oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I was spraying my phone down with Lysol after that last call. <laughs> uh, hey. How you doing? Uh, I, I'm good. I actually heard um, something very similar about the Seaborn kid that um, he is actually from Hawaii. I don't know that he's a, a, a cousin, but that uh, he did locate with uh, to his family okay. to this area. Wow. Um, so I don't, you, you can confirm that a lot easier sure. than I can, but... Uh, I did hear that as well. Um, Grant Hurd would be outstanding. Um, if you go and look at, at his uh, all-time recruit list, it's unbelievable. Um, some of the talent, especially at Ole Miss, that he brought in uh, while he was at Ole Miss. Um, Laquan Treadwell uh, being the, the most, probably the most uh, easily recognizable name. But, um I think he'd be a good fit at Auburn, um, if just simply because he can recruit. I he don't can. care about anything else. Yeah, but uh, so Tank Bixby, um, I don't I don't know if, if uh, Tank comes back or not. I can't speak for the young man. I would be ecstatic for him to to be able to change the trajectory for his family and and uh, you know be able to provide opportunities for. 
uh, his family and, and future family, and that's that's outstanding for any young man to be able to do. I just worry for Tank. I'm not sure how well uh, his running style is going to fit into the category of any type of lengthy NFL career. I, I don't see a whole lot of wiggle out of Tank. There's obviously explosion. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I just don't know how much wiggle he has. Um, and unless your name's Derrick Henry, you're just not going to go run over a whole lot of people in the NFL. Um, you know, great speed. I think he has pretty good vision. Uh, I'm not going to say he has elite vision, but um, I just I don't know. I don't, what I didn't know if if you guys had any thoughts on that. You know, there's a lot of conversation about him versus Jarquez, and Jarquez is a better back, and I don't even know how to quantify that and, and don't want to quantify it simply based on yards per carry because I don't know all the other intangibles. But, um, yeah, I'm just I'm just curious as, as to your thought as how he projects as a pro. Yeah, so when I, when I look at Tank, something I feel like I've learned having watched a, a poor offensive line this year and then watched kind of a rejuvenation of the run game here in the last few weeks is that Tank is a tremendous open field runner. So when he gets that space, he does a lot with it. He's able to use that speed. He does cut back well once he gets out in the open field. He makes the 15-yard run, a 30-yard run, and so on and so forth. But what he is not as adept at doing is taking a one-yard run and making it a five-yard run. Um, and being able to kind of, you know, not that he's not a strong running back, but for whatever reason, it just feels like, and it might be wiggle, like you said, might be the better way of putting it, but it just doesn't feel like he's able to get the the yards that are not so obvious, the, the yards that uh, make it in from, you know, a no gain to an acceptable gain. That's a good and, breakdown. And that sort like of that. thing. Because it just felt so many times – this year he'd just have a zero-yard run, and we would kind of chalk it up to poor offensive line play, and, and it was, but maybe someone else could have wiggled into a couple of yards in there. And, and I'm very big on, you know, it. not every play that's two yards or three yards is a failure because some of these guys make a one-yard loss into a three-yard run. Well, that's a net of four yards. It might not feel like that, but it is. And, and some of these – guys that are able just to get something out of nothing, I wouldn't really label as Tank as someone that did that a whole lot. So that would be uh, kind of going along with you know your concern, would be my concern in the NFL, is how many times is he really going to be able to get to the open field? Because when he's in the open field, I think he's as talented and as dynamic of a runner out there, but it's being able to get him that space. And, and when he doesn't have that space, I think he comes back to the pack. See that I, I feel that, that's that is spot on, and and what I would like to know maybe you, maybe you can find this out for us. How many times this season uh, was Tank Bixby stopped for no gain or for a loss, and how many times was Jarquez stopped for no gain or for a loss? I think that would be to me. Uh, I think that's an easier way to compare them, um, just as far as as you know, what I'm talking about specifically. Um, so maybe 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 y'all can 
We'll do some uh, research for you. Your, yeah, your that's a good one. Stat button and, and, <laughs> and find out. I'm just curious. Well, thanks for taking my call. Y'all have a great day. Good to hear from you. That's Matt from Valley joining us on the show. 334-887-3401. Toll free at one 9 We're going to get to Anthony in just a moment here on the show. Trent Seaborn was the quarterback for Thompson last night. 14 years old in eighth grade he was able to put up a five touchdown performance at five foot ten 159 pounds i want to give all the credit in the world to al.com nick alvarez wrote a terrific profile of him earlier today he has roots from Colorado, a native of Highland Ranch, Colorado, about 20 miles south of Denver. Seaborn and his family are close family friends to the Tagovailoas, and they visited in 2017 after Tua's enrollment. They moved to Alabaster when uh, Seaborn was in third grade. So close family friends to the Tagovailoa family, and uh, he already in eighth grade has scholarship offers from Maryland, Troy, and Northern Colorado. So pretty impressive stuff. Look at Northern Colorado. Putting putting some word in. Uh, (laughs) Let's get a phone call in. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is there. Hey, Anthony. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Quite well. How about you? I'm doing good. You know, uh, I want to say congratulations to those Auburn High Lady Tigers for going ahead and punching that ticket and uh, winning that title and bringing that thing home. State champs. Yeah, congrats to them. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, uh, those Auburn men, Tigers, had opportunity to do something special. You know, all season they've beaten teams, I mean, lighting up the scoreboard, shooting fireworks, 49 points here, 50 points here, just beating people like a red-headed stepchild behind an old barn somewhere out in the woods with old leather straps from Walmart. And then they get in the biggest game you could possibly get in in a high school career. You got an eighth grader, no, excuse me, you had a seventh grader for entertainment purposes, a 12-year-old, Coming in there, looking like a Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Terry Bradshaw, poised, had all the intangibles, could read the defense. I'm not mistaken. I think a coach was quoted as saying, "He's like this guy's like a this kid is like a coach on the field. He do everything I need him to do. He could read the defense. He could do everything. It was no problem. He's uh, somebody I recognized when he was in the fifth grade. I knew then he was special. And the guy goes out and throw five touchdown passes." lead a 7A school. Now, you know, if they were at a 1A school and you had a guy in the 7th grade, 13 or 12 years old, then, yeah, I, I could believe that. But a 7A powerhouse with over 2,000, 3,000 students in there, and ain't no senior quarterback. There's not a junior, ain't a sophomore, ain't even a ninth grader. You got to go to the 7th grade and get a 12-year-old to come out there and lead the team. I mean, it's remarkable what the guy did. I mean, I was telling a coworker last night, Late on in the night, that I believe that if this guy uh, continued to uh, progress, uh, continue to develop, uh, stay on the right track, when this kid come out of high school, NIL money could possibly be in the range of ten million dollars for this particular individual. He could probably go on and win all the conference championships every year he's out of school, win the national title as well, go on to the pros and be all everything, win twenty Super Bowls if that's possible and be the greatest of everything that you've ever seen. Uh, you forget about Joe Namath and all the great names that you've heard over the years because this kid is it right now. Uh, 159 pounds, you said, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. 14 years old, eighth grade. 14, but for entertainment purposes, we're going to say We're going to say 12 and a seventh grader. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to uh, be entertaining. I think it's know, entertaining enough that he was in eighth grade. That's insane. No one else is doing this. 
It's a miracle, man. I, I tell you, that just tells you there. That, that's that's God giving blessed talent. It is unheard of. I don't think anybody's seen this at any level anywhere. And what I do you think about the angle up. that they're family friends with the tongue of Aloha's? <laughs> oh, that, that's awesome. You know, for somebody to have the insight to see that, to come on and move over this Move way, a family from Colorado to Alabaster, years, yeah. <laughs> already planning, already visioning things is awesome. But I really want to say this now. Uh, I know they give out a Mr. Football for every classification, you know, and uh, I'm going to tell you something. Based on what that kid did last night, even though he'd been playing eighth grade football all year and just got on the varsity here to play the last two or three weeks here, I think they ought to go ahead and hand that guy uh, the – the Mr. Football for 7A, uh, uh, might as well hand it to him. There's no need. I know there might be somebody else might be more deserving, got career stats and all this, but based on what happened last night, I don't see no reason why you can't give it to him. I'm going to do you one better. I know they got a high school Heisman that they give out to a, a female and a, a male student every year. I don't see no reason why this kid can't be nominated, need to be invited to the, uh, the ceremony they have next week. Whether he win or not, that's a whole nother ball game, but, uh, I don't see any reason why the, the media around here or somebody that has a vote or has, has a voice need to be contacting the Heisman Trust or somebody yeah. and let them know about this kid because uh, that is outstanding. I mean, ESPN or somebody need to come out here and do a story or something on this kid. Well, Nobody's uh, ever seen anything yeah, like this. A, a really good story about him at AL.com that we're reading today. And again, five touchdown passes, four of them to Corbin Williams. And he wins the MVP award and this eighth-grade quarterback, seventh-grade for entertainment purposes, the 12-year-old, already has the awareness to hand the MVP trophy to his wide receiver that he threw four touchdown passes with. He wins the award and doesn't want to accept it himself. He wants to give it to his wide out. Well, that's class, being humble. That's what that is. Uh, parents done a, you can tell the parents done a good job with this kid. You know, I was, I was somebody said that and when they go eat team meals or whatever they do, the kid would be, he'd be the last one to last eat. Last one know, in let line. All, yep. Let all the upperclassmen eat first. I tell you, this is a special individual, special kid here. And uh, it's going to be exciting to see uh, as he gets closer and closer to being a junior in high school where the coaches really can talk to him. And, yeah, you heard and the offer list already. Some schools are trying to get a head start. I'm going to tell you, uh, you got some coaches going to be planning now, hoping that they can just hang on to their job so they can get an <laughs> opportunity to get this kid on campus because uh, there's going to be people making plans. I'm talking about everything from endorsement deals to uh, uh, TV, everybody. is going to be making some kind of plans looking for this kid. Oh, man, it, it's going to be something special to see. And uh, I tell you, uh, well, I don't think Saban will be around five years from now by the time this kid get ready to uh, – seriously go ahead and sign or commit to somebody sure but it's gonna be uh something to see who gets him it's gonna be wonderful but guys i appreciate it and y'all have a good one great to hear from you that's uh anthony from auburn joining us on the program 334-887-3401 toll free at one triple eight nine target nine uh forget the entertainment purposes we don't need to do 12 year old and in seventh grade 14 years old eighth grade entertaining and impressive enough 200 passing yards, five touchdowns, uh, one INT MVP award, four touchdown passes to Corbin Williams. And uh, again, the reports from Colorado. His family relocates to Alabaster from Highland Ranch, Colorado. And uh, man, what a performance he was able to put on last night in a 7A title game. Yeah, I remember being in eighth grade uh, (laughs) middle school and looking up at the juniors and seniors in high school and thinking they were absolute monsters. Right. So, uh, eighth grade. Different perspective for Wow, him. yeah. I mean, well, and that coincides with the change in their season we were talking about because Tom mentioned yesterday they had lost three games. But, again, I had re- recalled from the 
AHSAA scoreboard show the week before or two weeks before that they had thumped Hoover, which, again, in the state of Alabama, I know Hoover has not been dominant like they were here in these last several years, but they are still damn good, and if you thump Hoover, uh, you know you're probably doing something right. So um, I guess we could have seen that coming, but, yeah, this eighth-grade kid (laughs) – uh, it, the big schools will be there very soon uh, on his door. And, again, it, just to think in terms of this, go back. I, I want you to write down all the coaches in the Power Five right now and then see how many are there when this kid actually starts college. Because there's going to be a lot, a lot that are change. not there. Yeah, that, and no that's kidding. why it's difficult to recruit that far out. Let's go ahead and we'll take our next commercial break here on the program. Back with more sports call right after this on Tiger 95.9 FM. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. The Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. As we now want to take this opportunity to go to our phone lines and bring on one of our big friends, a great longtime guest here on the show, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com joins us. B Matt, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me in. Uh, what a busy week it has been. It starts with uh, Hugh Freeze officially being named the head coach for the Auburn Tigers. A lot of information to keep up with this week, B Matt. What'd you think of the hire? Well, I think from a football standpoint, um, Hugh Freeze checks all the boxes Auburn needed. They needed somebody who was going to recruit from the front uh, and has, uh, you know, some success and has passed recruiting in SEC, which he definitely does and has. I think they needed somebody with a, uh, the ability to really um, excel on one side of the ball, whether it be offense and defense. And, of course, Euphrates has a great, great reputation as an uh, offensive play caller and, and just an offensive coach, although he may give up those play calling duties. And then I think you're getting a guy in Euphrates that is really going to relate well to uh, a lot of fans uh, with his um, ability to speak and emote and um, just be able to connect with people. Uh, and in a really positive way. Um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, if he can avoid any off-the-field uh, mistakes, that he can have a very successful tenure here at Auburn. And, of course, those off-the-field things, uh, Brian, have been talked about a lot, and, and Hugh Freeze obviously has uh, to improve and, and not ever do any of that stuff again. But uh, I, I want to ask again about the football part of it, being in this league uh, for several years at Ole Miss, and you know his ability to recruit obviously was marred by what obviously went down there. 
But overall, it, it feels that he will be uh, still a very good recruiter for Auburn. Is that kind of what your sense of the matter is? And then how important is his his uh, next couple of hires staff-wise, particularly Cadillac Williams, going to be on that uh, recruiting trail as well? Well, my thoughts on, on uh, his recruiting is uh, just about everything that he was accused of or found guilty of by the NCAA is stuff that um, goes above board now. Uh, with collective NILs. And, you know, he did get caught, or his staff, and his staff both got caught doing some things that I think a lot of schools were doing at the time. So that's just my opinion. You know, I'm not studying as a fact. That's just my opinion there. Uh, and, um, you know, as far as the staff hires, of course, uh, he, he, you know, hit it out of the park, getting Cadillac on board right away, uh, you know, to make that move. The evening that he was hired was really important, I thought. And um, having Cadillac return this, team as an emotional leader and is also a terrific assistant coach and just coach in general is, is big uh, for Auburn. If you look at what's coming back next year for Auburn's roster, it's the running backs, it's the defensive backs that are really going to be the strength of this team. And that's because the two guys leading those groups, uh, Cadillac and Zach Eckers, know what they're doing and went out there and, and recruited well enough to uh, have talented uh, position groups. And, um, you know, the, the next two he's hired, um, uh, Jeremy Garrett, the defensive line coach, and I'm going to mess up this name, but Ben Agamalu, um, the tight end coach from Liberty, are, I think two guys that he really has a lot of belief in. You know, I think he's taken two guys he thinks are all-stars, uh, up-and-comers from um, his staff. And, of course, uh, Garrett's got that NFL experience, too, as a defensive line coach, which will be uh, really big in recruiting. So that's where we stand right now. He's also hired some staff folks too from Liberty and uh, from some other places but um, still have uh, uh, some work to do and some more positions to uh, work through before we get that full staff hire. I'm glad you jumped at that tight ends coach name before we did Brian. We were kind of waiting for you to break the ice. Yeah, uh, had seen I'm that out idea. there. Is this going to be an on the field role hire or, or is this a, a tight end coach that's going to move into an off the field spot Brian? What are you hearing? Uh, I think he's coaching tight ends on the field uh, and until I'm told differently. So um, that's what I'm expecting, at least. But, um, you know, I can be wrong there. I'm not, um, I'm not you know, shaking my fist or anything about it. That's just what we're <laughs> yeah. told. And, um, you know, putting a staff together is a, uh, a process. And uh, Euphrase is trying to put it in overdrive because he knows that uh, come December 4th, that December 5th, that portal opens. They get to hit the ground running. And then, of course, you've got um, National Signing Day or the early signing period. December 21st. So uh, this new staff of his is going to have a lot of work to do and not much time to, you know, uh, to sit back and, and get to know each other or, 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 you know, start forming those bonds. And, and he admitted in his opening press conference that he wants someone, you know, he he's an offensive guy, so he needs someone uh, to mastermind that defense. So with that in mind, uh, who are some of the candidates for the defensive coordinator role and, and who do you think would make a lot of sense? Well, um, you know, I think it's important for him to find um, a guy who can just he can just turn it over to, right? You know, somebody that um, you know, sort of like Kevin Steele was for Gus Malzahn, and I would say I don't think Kevin's a candidate here, but somebody that he trusts on that side of the ball. And, you know, some names early Major Carter or Barry Odom, who's at uh, I think he's at Missouri now, former Arkansas coach. Um, I think it's Chris Kiffin, uh, who's got uh, a lot of experience as a coordinator and defensive line coach. 
Uh, and there's going to be some more out there, too. And I know T. Will, uh, or excuse me, T. Rob, Travis Robinson, uh, former Auburn DB, who's now at um, uh, Alabama as an assistant coach. He was a D.C. under Will Muschamp at South Carolina as coach at Auburn and a number of other places. I think he'll be a candidate, too, uh, to keep an eye on. Brian Matthews is here with us on the program. Follow him on Twitter at BMATAU each and every week. Check out the Rundown podcast from the folks at AuburnSports.com. Auburn men's basketball has a squad that's unbeaten on the year. Brian, uh, have still yet to take on a top 25 opponent in the rankings, uh, but they're getting closer and closer to that pivotal West Coast trip that's going to be a tough test for Auburn. Where's this basketball team at on today? I mean, I think they're seven zero undefeated, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, they're playing a Colgate key team Friday. Um, that uh, Bruce Pearl, I talked to him. We talked to him today, and he said that this is the best three point shooting team, uh, maybe the best offensive team they've played this season. So it's going to be a good test uh, because Auburn's strength right now is defense, and they're still, you know, sort of getting that offense together. The transition offense got to get better. The half court offense has got to get better. So, you know, if, if Colgate, you know, gets hot and starts scoring points on Auburn, can Auburn keep up? And on the other hand, can Auburn's defense continue to be um, as good as it's been and shut down a really good offensive Colgate uh, team? So this will be another good matchup. Uh, I think Pearl and his assistant and his staff uh, do a great job of um, scheduling these games against uh, these group of five schools these, um, who, who end up, you know, finishing – first or second or third in their divisions and really helping Auburn's RPI when we get into, um, you know, March and also give this team a really good test going into SEC play. Brian, when you look at the the Bruce Pearl era, you had Jared Harper running the point guard for a few years for Bruce Pearl. Then you had a year or two where it was kind of confused on who was going to be the point guard, and there was never really a set point guard in the offense. And now now we're into year two of Wendell Green Jr. back as the point guard for this Tigers team. Talk about his development with Bruce Pearl and how much better the offense looks when you've got a, a set point guard. Well, I mean, I think he's been Auburn's best player uh, through the first seven games. You know, he's had a little little ups and downs, but I think he's been terrific with his ball handling and, um, you know, driving and shooting. You know, maybe not shooting threes as consistent as he'd like, but you can say that for the whole team right now. But um, he has really been um, really been active, and I think the, the area he improved the most in is his, three, is his def- defending. His on-ball defending has gotten so much better. And I uh, just really impressed with everything he's doing. And I still think he has areas that he can improve and get better as the season goes on. And I think he'll see that too. And I, I certainly think his shooting is going to start coming around. I think we, we're already starting to see that. Um, he was he was getting some logo wins, I think, in the last game it was. So um, we're, we're going to um, see him improve. And I think as he gets better, you know, I just need to start shooting the ball better. And then to continue to find ways to get the ball inside to Gen A. Um, you know, and, and, and Dylan now is, is of course, becoming a, a, more of a weapon, I think, more so defensively, but coming around offensively, too. Brian, there, there's been no Liverpool to keep up with these last couple of weeks, <laughs> so have you been enjoying this break from Liverpool and, and enjoying the World Cup? I have, as much as I got to watch it, I've enjoyed it. You know, it's great seeing these teams and, and these countries, you know, live and die by these moments, and uh, it's great to see the USA make it to the knockout round. Really excited for them. It should be a terrific game uh, Saturday morning. Um, really looking forward to that. It was, 
you know, Germany got knocked out today for people who have been paying attention, which is really, really big for, you know, in a bad way for them and, and of course, in a big way for the, for the teams that have made it through. So, yeah, it's been fun. Now, when you're watching the World Cup, do you pay attention to your Liverpool players? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always, always want to see them do good. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, Netherlands has um, Virgil van Dijk, of course, and that's who USA is playing. So I'll, I will definitely be pulling for USA, but also be happy for Virgil if, if they end up pulling out. And I wanted to the reason I asked is I don't know if you saw the uh, the Conte uh, set a World Cup yeah. record in his last match for France. Yeah, he's been terrific. Um, and uh, France, yeah, I think they struggled in their last match a little bit, but I think that was because they felt like they're already in good shape uh, going forward. But I think that they've been the most one of the most impressive teams so far, along with Brazil and Spain and. Um, uh, who was the other team that's played so well so far? I can't even think right now. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with Kanate. i got to ask this, because, Brian, I've been doing these interviews with you, calling you for nearly six years at this point, which is insane, and obviously enjoy uh, texting back and forth throughout Liverpool matches. we got to know, because people that follow you on Twitter know the love for Liverpool and that sort of thing. What about soccer do you love, man? Because it's just it hasn't been a sport, obviously, that's gained a lot of traction in the Southeast over the years. Well, I think it's starting to gain more and more traction. No doubt. The Premier League. Um, I just wanted something. Uh, I, I need an outlet for my, you know, my fan. You know, I, I need to be a fan of something, right? When sure. Covering team and a journalist, you're not as big a fan uh, as maybe you once were. you got to sort of back away from that and try to be more objective in the way you cover teams and talk about teams and view teams. And um, so maybe about uh, 12, 15 years ago, I started paying attention to it. There's a reason they call it the beautiful game. You know, when teams score these goals, uh, I mean, they're just incredible uh, and make these passes and these assists. And, you know, it's just, um, it's, it is a beautiful game. And there's a reason it's the mo- by far the most popular game in the world. And, you know, billions upon billions of people watch, you know, the World Cup and the, and the World Cup final and such. So, uh, and then the reason I picked Liverpool uh, was because they had a great tradition and they have great support of Anfield for their team. It reminded me the most of being Premier League to the way Auburn supports its team and its players and its university. So that's why I picked Liverpool. You made a great choice, man. You absolutely yep. did. I'm in the same boat there with you, so I'm going to be biased as well. Uh, USA back in action on Saturday. Brian Matthews has been joining us here on the show. Follow him on Twitter always, at BMATAU. And uh, I mentioned the podcast that's out there, AuburnSports.com. The bunker is always going crazy in there. What else do we need to know, Brian? Well, uh, we're going to continue to um, cover this coaching um, as uh, I still a search, I guess. But the, as uh, New Freeze fills out his staff, and of course there's a big basketball game Friday, and recruiting is really going to take off and portaling, I guess you could call it now. Portaling, yeah. It's going to be big, yeah. <laughs> so we'll have all that more at AuburnSports.com. You can call me on Twitter, be mad at you. Really appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon, okay? I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, that's uh, Brian Matthews, and he's joining us here on Sports Call. Always appreciate his time and insight right there. And uh, good stuff with this Auburn coaching staff being put together piece by piece, slowly but surely. And he and J.G. Tate at AuburnSports.com are reporting. Ben, I'm going to take a commercial break to figure (laughs) out how to pronounce this last name. (laughs) Igamawa set to be the tight ends coach 
for Auburn. Longtime staffer with Hugh Freeze. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more after this on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, J.J. Jackson here with uh, Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress inside our studios. Our thanks again to uh, Brian Matthews for joining us on the program moments ago at BMATAU on Twitter, auburnsports.com for all the latest news. All right, Auburn has Jeremy Garrett set to take over the defensive line and a tight end coach, Ben Agamoa, Agamoa. I listened to a pronunciation during the break, and I'm already doubting myself what I heard in my head. Can you guys help me out? Agamoa? Agamoa? Yeah. I said yes, two different well. things. Yeah, yeah. One of the, the two. The first one you said. Agamoa. Agamoa. Not yes. Agamoa. No, I thought I heard Agamoa. Agamoa. I, okay. Anyway. We'll figure it out. We will. We will. And uh, I'm sure he's He's the tight be... ends coach. You should not be talking about him more than more, one of the more, more I don't important know. Well, all, all, Brad Auburn Bedell. fans are, are obsessed with tight end usage. <laughs> and we had a lot of tight end usage under Brian Harson, but the tight end coach, Brad it Bedell, got fired. You right, know? Because it worked great. By association, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, before we talk to Brian Matthews, we got a couple of calls in. We were talking about uh, conversations being had. Uh, Grant Hurd is a name out there for the wide receiver coach. Spent so many years with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. Played at Ole Miss himself. Excellent recruiter in the sport. Uh, currently doing a good job with the wide receivers uh, for our good buddy Gus Malzahn down there at uh, Central Florida. So uh, we'll see if he is the hire, but... Ole Miss has done a good job recruiting that wideout spot over the years. Well, yeah, from I mean, twelve to sixteen, he was there the whole time. Freeze was there, um, and you think about the wide receivers that went through there. Now, all these guys necessarily didn't play a lot for those guys. Like maybe they were just recruited some of these names. But you think about La- Laquan Treadwell, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, uh, maybe even someone smaller like Elijah Moore. I believe was recruited the last year in sixteen by them. Um, they had a lot of big names recruited to them, and some of them were obviously coached at the same time. Uh, what was that other guy? Even uh, Quincy Adebojo, I remember I being, or Adebejo Boyjo, was a was a quality wide receiver. Great memory, yeah. Um, they they had he had the touchdown. Yeah, right? he had the doink touchdown yeah. against Bama that deflected a couple times. Chad Kelly just kind of threw one up when he was getting hit on a third down and bounced off someone's helmet i think right to add a boy joe um so they they definitely had good wide receivers so if that's the hire then i can understand the departure of ike hilliard even though ike hilliard seemed nothing wrong with him nothing wrong at all 
uh, that would be a marketably good hire, uh, one that you would certainly understand because he's got the familiarity with Freeze. He's still only in his mid-40s, by the way. I think he's 44 when I looked it up. And just grading out his performance at UCF this year, I can tell you I watched them a lot. Uh, Javon Baker, transferred from Alabama, has been awesome for them. And, again, another guy transferred out. Kobe Hudson did not have a big impact early in the year. When he got healthy, he has had a bigger impact. So I, UCF's receivers, their, their, their problem has been getting Plumley to be consistent as a QB, but their receivers, yeah, Ryan O'Keefe's always been awesome. He was great last year too. Um, their receivers are really good at UCF, even if, if it's not exactly what they uh, prioritize. Uh, Brooks, Hugh Freeze yeah. is the head coach at Auburn. Yeah, he is. That's new for you. It is new for me. I've been out. I took an extended Welcome back. vacation. One week ago was Thanksgiving. <clears throat> yeah. I've not been on the airwaves in over a week because my husband was on Wednesday. Letting well, the turkey I, digest. I wasn't here on Wednesday, yeah. and I appreciate you sitting in the seat in my absence. Well, thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to sit in that seat in your absence. And I hope that the bullpen did good work in the starter's absence. You used that reference again, didn't you? Yeah. Truthfully, I haven't listened to that yeah. show yet. Oh, yeah. You use we, the bullpen oh, yeah. reference? I always yeah. use the bullpen always. reference. Always. It's your go-to. It's a bullpen game. Um, We're the Rays. Hugh Freeze is the coach. He's putting together our coaching staff. Yeah. You got any thoughts? Um, make it a good one. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you know, I've had a few days to sit with it. If you gave, if, if you gave me, I, I've heard some things. I also have not listened to the show since um, last time I was on it, but I've heard. Feelings uh, mutual. <laughs> I've heard um, some of the, the, what was expressed on Monday, which was basically instant reaction to what what happened because he was hired. It was officially announced that that day. 2.51. Um, and so, yeah, inst- almost instant Nine reaction. Nine minutes prior to go time. So, and then we've had the already had the introductory press conference since then. And so you've, you've gotten to hear from, you've gotten to hear everybody's takes and you've gotten to hear from uh, the head coach himself. You've had several, you know, interviews that have been put out there. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, it. My instant reaction to it was I wasn't happy about it, just from the the PR side of things. Not wasn't a big fan of it. Obviously, it, you know, I, I think most people's number one. Uh, we knew who it was, and when that fell through, it's it seemed like it started to fall through a little on Friday evening. Um, and then it, it really, you know, picked up speed in a Saturday, and you're like, "Well, this isn't happening." And so you you went through, uh, and then uh, Saturdays when Hugh Freeze's name started to really pick up a lot more steam from text message, messaging from, from text from, messaging from That's what text I would call it. messaging with Mr. Childress while folks were away for the holidays. Can you was Lane Kiffin his first choice? Yeah. Okay. You feel pretty certain in that, Brooks? Do you feel pretty certain in that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a just wanted listen, to see how well you knew him. I'm, I'm not going to say it on it. There was you. another name that I had in my mind. Ryan knows it. Ryan's rolling his eyes. I'm not going to say it on air because it, it's a ridiculous take, <laughs> and I, I I will not be. I'm, I'm not going to throw that out there. But Bill Belichick. Yeah, it was Bill Belichick. But Lane Kiffin was by far the number one of no. actual names that were mentioned. I don't know the name, but is it the name I think it is? Is it the? No, it was not PJ Fleck. Okay. No, no, it was okay. not okay. PJ. Not Mister Row the boat. Um, I was rowing the boat, but people couldn't see me. Is that what gave it away to yeah, you that I was yeah. thinking that? Yes. Or you were just digging a grave, which would, which is what my career would be if I put this take out. There. <laughs> okay. Well, we um, won't do that then. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, Kiffin was definitely number one. Uh, and then, like I said, when when you started to get the wind of Hugh Freeze Saturday, you know, it started to pick up a little bit. Again, PR wise, not the biggest fan of the hire. Um, football wise, I, I think that he can be good. I think that it's it. He's got the opportunity to be good. What I think is really going to be the the tale is I think and you look at it, it it feels like this is the the guy that the boosters wanted, and if this is the guy that the boosters wanted, they're going to put all of their assets behind him, unlike they did for Ryan Harson or Gus Malzahn at the end. He's got a really good chance to succeed with their backing. Good point. We'll see what happens. We'll move forward. One hour left to go. Chris Gordy will join us. Uh, NFL conversations to be had. Brooks Childress adores the Patriots. They play later tonight. We'll discuss all of that and more alongside Brooks and Ryan. I'm JJ. Two hours are done, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. We hope that you're doing well on what is a Thursday December 1st, 2022. Last month of the year, Brooks. It, yeah, it is the last month of the year. Every single year seems like it ends in December. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay, wow. Bit of a smart ass there, but that's okay. Um, Why is it Brooks- that the holidays always coincide with the end of the year? Not a lot every of, year. Not a lot of uh, variety in Can our I calendar. ask this? Yeah, go ahead. It's the last month. Sure. How are your New Year's resolutions going? From or by the ones that I'm making coming up, or the ones that I started in 2022, like your 2022 resolutions. Well, I had panko chicken for lunch, and I think that pretty much establishes it. Okay, not in a good spot. Now, well, we'll start well, over. Well, the resolution was to eat more chicken or more delicious chicken. Let's do it again in a month. All right, we'll try again. Okay. What All about right. my New Year's resolution? How are your New Year's resolutions going? I don't remember. <laughs> Surprise. I was kind of asking you, what about mine? Do you oh. remember? Are when you the last time I keeping track for me? What about yours? Were, were yours yeah, good? how are you going? I don't remember. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You know, I think I've had an okay 2022. I'm going to be more proactive, though. That In, okay. in, in terms of keeping up with them. In the, wow. uh, and I guess I Choosing this food year. places? Is that but, your New Year's resolution, is to be more proactive of keeping up with your New Year's resolutions? Well, like when you think about the year 2022. Yeah. In your... I would say in the world of resolutions, a month away from this, pro- people probably focus on their health the most. Would you say? Yes. Like if we were to survey people, you're probably going to think about your health the most. Yeah. It, yeah. In some form or fashion. Your resolution is not health, to like go health. to Cancun. Yeah. You know. What else do you think is in there? I don't know. 
for some people, I think maybe faith could be involved at some yeah. point. Yeah. Um, you know, fitness would be a part of the health there yeah. in that regard. I don't Physical, know if there's any health. financial. Um, I think it could be yeah. like save, starting to save. A New Year's resolution could be saving for you know make, saving for a house or saving for a. a some sort of budgeting yeah yeah could have a that but no i feel like most people because resolutions are kind of like the cousin to bucket list resolutions are like maybe maybe less fun things less fun versions you could also um do you could do like a not a bucket list but you could say oh i want to you know i want to travel to a new city every month or i want to you know i want to i want to travel more this year could be a new year's resolution I want to stay home more yeah. this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want. I want to not talk to people as much. Um, I want to. I want it to read so many more books. That that's a that's one you hear is, is you hear quite often is I want to read X amount of more books going into this year or like yeah that wanna, wouldn't be me. But I want to watch yeah. X amount more movies. Like that wanna, could be me. I want to watch a movie a week or something. And it's not like you know oh I'm going to go and watch you know some people could be like oh I, I want to go not not not. I want to go and watch like Dumb and Dumber, or like I'm going to watch more Oscar movies this year. Uh-huh. That could be a New Year's resolution. Yeah, TV shows. Um, Finish that TV show you've been putting off. Oh, well, there's several TV shows I've been putting off. Well, not what? you directly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so yes, it's, a, it's 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 a little goofy that we got here in the conversation, right? To open up the hour and okay, Brooks, it's the first of December, and then I start thinking about resolutions because I'm weirding them out there, and uh, we're a month away from setting new things, and health and fitness becomes such <clears throat> a big thing. So when I reflect back on 2022 and a health and fitness journey for everybody, the biggest thing for me is all in all, I'm just so in love uh, with how pickleball has entered my life and my health and fitness journey wow, here in true. this new year. You know, true. like that's a big step. What's it going to be in 2023? I've still, I don't listen, know. I've still got a bruise across my sternum from last week when we played pickleball together. Yeah. That's intense. That is intense. <laughs> yeah. The net found me. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll get into like, Stock car racing, yeah. In the uh, in the yeah. New Year. We'll get you down to what, uh, East. Sounds Al- expensive. We'll get you down there to East Alabama Motor Speedway and see put you in the, some cars to see what happens. All right, we got to go to the phone lines. He hasn't called in all week. We've been greatly missing him, and then we start talking about New Year's resolutions, and he's already starting to put his list together. Uh, calling us now three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Of course, I'm referring to Jeff from Columbus. Columbus. Jeff has joined us on Sports Call. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Quite well. How are you? Great, great. Man, had a great Thanksgiving. I'm like Brooks. I've been out of, I've been gone for a long time. So, uh, yeah, just now getting back in touch. Man, is, is your pickleball the same thing I used to play in school where you take a tennis ball, throw it against the wall, try to catch it with one hand, and if you miss, you have to run and touch the wall? That, nope. What did we call that? Handball okay. in Handball, middle school, maybe? Yeah. yeah, those were the days growing Handball up in middle school. Up. Yeah. Pickleball is like a, a smaller version of tennis. Really? Yeah, it, it's it's played on a smaller court, same lines like a tennis court, uh, but you use okay. much smaller, you like paddles instead of rackets, and you use a, a ball that's kind of like a wiffle ball instead of a tennis ball. Fastest growing sport in our country. Uh, no joke. I'm going to have to look it up, and yeah. I think I saw something like that. You know, they make ping pong, too. So 
So I guess it's halfway between, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. A little more exercise <laughs> okay. involved in pickleball, but yes. Well, when Brooks said his sternum still hurt, I thought it was because somebody hit him right in the chest with a ball or in the back. No, and it even so, happened when it was when we were we were just warming up, and I I ran for a ball oh, right at the net and crashed into the net, and it's that, that guy, oh didn't have much God. give. Yeah, no. it's happened to me before. It's painful. I don't like being in that spot. Uh, but it's supposed to be a non-contact sport, right? <laughs> yeah. yes. yes. That's how they market okay. it, for sure. Yes. All right. Hey, I had a few questions real quick. And we have of a few answers. A new... Yes, okay. Uh, you've hired a new coach, and just like I always do when you hire a new coach, my first question is, when do we fire them? What you got to <laughs> do? <laughs> okay, they're going to give them a pass this year. Surely he can't. He's got to win more than six games. I'm sure. Well, and Jimmy Sexton, and then that's my next question. What is his buyout? It's a great question. I think I saw. So it's a six-year, six and a half million dollar per year deal. I thought I saw that the buyout is seventy-five percent of the remaining contract at that time. So, in other words, if he so six yeah. years at six and a half million dollars is what? That's a total of thirty nine million or something. Thirty nine million. Yeah, something in okay. there. So, say he coaches three years, he makes his that would be at that time nineteen and a half million. He'd be owed the other, you know, nineteen million or so, or, or excuse me, of okay. the nineteen remaining million, he'd be owed seventy five percent of that. So. Again, more math, okay. but fifteen-ish million was, at that time. I just right. I found a AL.com article from our friend Tom Green, and it is Freeze would be owed seventy-five percent of the remaining money on his contract. Yep. Okay, man, Jimmy Sexton, that's a great agent. Does Cadillac Williams have an agent? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he still has somebody that he's working with. Really? I would guess so. no, I really no, would. I, I mean, okay. I, I didn't know until Steve brought it up. That athletic directors have agents. They are do they indeed. Yeah, agents or are they legal advisors? I think it's a little bit of both, and I think for some people it's really? a little different too. Yeah. Okay, that, but that's crazy to me. I had no idea that Jimmy Sexton and is an athletic director uh, agent and coach agent. It seems like a lot of collusion can go on there, doesn't it? Yeah. Sure. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, and so, okay, if he wins nine games next year, how big a contract are they going to extend him to? <laughs> the, yeah, the uh, the seven for 49 type of variety, something yeah. there, yeah. Yes, seven for 49, which, uh, and how many coaches is Auburn paying now? That's a great question. Three? three? I think it's still three. Should be three. Yeah, because they still got to pay Gus for a couple more years, and obviously Harson, and so now he, their current head coach. They're still not. They're not paying Chiswick anymore, are no, they? No, okay. I hope to God not. No, I don't think so. I hope not. And that's a question too. I wonder why Chiswick and Malzahn aren't mentioned in any of these dang big coaching searches. Well, you know, Malzahn. Chiswick will never be a, a head coach again. Um, he, uh-uh, but I didn't know he was a defensive coordinator again. Right. And, How did North Carolina do? 
Yeah. Right, and that's because he's had a long-standing relationship with Mac Brown. I think that's literally the only person he would work for. Okay. Um, you know, he would have some interest from other schools as a DC, but you know, Carolina's not the only school that might want him as a DC. But as far as a head coach, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that. And and he seemed pretty checked out on coaching before Mac Brown reached out. Um, and then as right. you know, as far as Gus, I mean. You, it's still pretty new at UCF for him, and UCF is going into the Big 12 as we know next year, so that will become a Power 5 job uh, just next year. So I, I don't know if he has a big year or two at UCF in the future, if he'd, if he'd get an even bigger opportunity. But since it is a, a Floridian team with a uh, all around all the, these great recruits and it will be moving into the Power 5, it, it will rank uh, as a, a really decent job. Right, I got y'all. One one other thing, Bill did. Um, I I think it's a great hire. I thought everybody that Auburn's hired the past twenty years has been a great hire. So uh, <laughs> continue the great work. So, but um, did would you all consider this a home run hire? No, I, I do not think it's a home run hire because I think by definition, home run hire is someone that you. Uh, you think you can't get or someone that absolutely everyone would want. That doesn't mean it's not a good hire because there can be other hires that make a lot of sense for what you need at the time. But home run hire is something kind of unexpectedly awesome, you know, and, and that yeah. might have been that might have been like Dabo Sweeney or something. Or right. obviously when USC Urban pulled Meyer. Yeah, when yeah, any of these last year when LSU pulled right. Brian Kelly, for instance. Um right. But uh, it can still be a good hire, but no, it is not a, a home run hire. Okay. And did um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, dang, I keep keep wanting to say Kiffin. What's your coach's name? Hugh Freeze. Uh, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just a, a, a lapse. Did Hugh Freeze have to vacate his 10-win seasons? Yes. But the NCAA does not recognize those seasons as being valid. Yes. Okay, and they did that probably because of recruiting violations or something like that? Correct. Okay, so I remember I was so mad. I don't know how far your tapes, I know they didn't even have podcasts because I probably didn't even have a cell phone, probably had a beeper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I called in and because Tunsil was supposed to go to either Florida or Georgia. The last week of his recruiting, he said Old Miss. Everybody in the world was baffled. I called in then. And I said, something's not right. Why would he not go to Florida or Georgia? Went to Ole Miss. Didn't Nima, what's that guy's name? Uh, Nima Cheeky or something. That, what was he, a defensive back or linebacker? Uh, Robert Kimdichie. Yeah, Robert Kimdichie. Yeah. Right. He went there, right, like number one player in the country to Ole Miss. Everybody was kind of worried. So I guess what I'm getting at, is he probably, you know, recruiting violations. Maybe some money was involved in Tunsil's case. At least that's, you know, what's been rumored and stuff. So he had players on his team that probably wouldn't have been on his team if he didn't offer them something special. So they beat Alabama twice, right? Yes. But now I, I, now I guess we're saying because everybody can pay their players – it's an even field. But that's not necessarily true, is it? Because wouldn't you think 
Alabama would pay more? Yeah, I mean, certainly certainly other schools might have different forms of resources. I mean, uh, hence Texas A&M recruiting the way they did uh, last year. Right. Uh, but Auburn is still going to have resources, especially with the momentum they've built in the last 12 months in NIL, that will still be well above some of its SEC counterparts, even above Ole Miss for that matter, which is part of the reason that uh, Kiffin was drawing interest there or, or would draw interest for, uh, in Auburn. Um, and, and so Auburn is still going to be well positioned. But you're right. I mean, technically, a lot of the things that uh, people would be quote unquote called for cheating in the past uh, can now be labeled as above board in a lot of uh, a lot of cases. So the only thing, if the money is equal in IL, uh, say at Auburn, LSU, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, I don't know how Florida is. Florida wouldn't they? The players, their heart would tell them to go to one place. The money's going to tell them to go to the other, right? And if the money is equal, wouldn't you want to go to your best fit to advance your career, get to the NFL, get on TV more, win a national championship, win an SEC championship? Wouldn't you think those would be the main goals if money is no is not the if factor? it's even? Those would be most of them, but the other one I would add is a relationship with a particular coach on staff. That would be the the one okay. I would add to that. But yes, those plus plus coach relationships. We, for example, Auburn lost a recruit today, a four star wide receiver, right. simply because he was a big Ike Hilliard guy. He had a great relationship with Ike Hilliard. Auburn announced last right. night Hilliard is not coming back, and therefore that kid decommitted today. And Jeff, we got to get right. to our buddy Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC. Right. So give us your last thought. Heck yeah. Man, I, man, that's my last thought. I just like to bust y'all's chops every now and then, and you all, you all come in pretty good. We got a big game coming up this weekend. I hope we can finally win a SEC championship, and uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah. man, uh, uh, thank you all for taking my call, and I'll be listening. Good luck to uh, those Bulldogs, indeed. Thanks, Jeff. That's uh, Jeff from Columbus. He just called and joined us on the Auburn Bank phone line. want to tell you once again, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, or if you just want to hear something again, maybe go back and listen to our show on demand, you can do that by finding the Sports Call podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. What a busy week it's been in the SEC as we gear up for an SEC football championship, but for our Auburn Tigers, They've got a new coach that's on the planes here. Hugh Freeze taking over, and who better to talk about it all with than our good pal Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, who joins us now on the Auburn Bank phone line. Uh, Greetings, Chris. This time a week ago, we certainly hope that you and your family were enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us today, buddy. Yeah, sure thing, man. It's uh, it's kind of an easy uh, off-season so far for the SEC. one coaching vacancy that's been filled already so uh you know now it's all about the transfer portal and i'm sure we'll be hearing more and more names coming and going in the next uh the next few days feels like it's going to be impossible to keep up with all those transfer portal names and you're right it's going to be a, a madhouse on december 5th when that opens up what do you think of the hugh freeze hire for auburn yeah i mean look it's garnered so much attention nationally locally regionally and, 
you know, all, all the negative stuff that I hear has everything to do with everything off the field. There's, there's nobody that can give me a, from a football perspective, why it's not a good hire. You know, like, uh, Hugh Freeze as a football coach and a football mind has been great. I mean, uh, the guy wanted liberty for, for God's sake. So, um, you know, from, from a football perspective, you gotta think it's gonna be very good. Uh, for Auburn, you know, Robbie Ashford, I think said it the, the, the best is the dream come true for him. And so I, I think it's, it, it, it's going to be tremendous to see what he does schematically. Um, you know, first and foremost, what is it, what does this roster look like? Who's coming back? How quickly can they hit up the transfer portal, build up this recruiting class? But, you know, for, as far as like expectations on the football field, you got to be very excited, but it's, it's about all the extra stuff, right? It's about the, the off-the-field stuff, the negative stuff. And you just kind of have to pinch your nose and, and hope that everything goes well with you freeze and that all his past transgressions are, are gone and that he's going to run a clean program. And, and there's nothing you can really do as a fan. You just kind of have to hope that, that that's how it'll go and kind of rally around and support him. But, I, you know, I understand why some people don't. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of Auburn fans who – are a fan of the hire, requesting the hire, and so he's going to have to build up that trust with them. No kidding, and without a doubt, Chris Gordy's joining us here on the program right now. It's been a little bit since we've had you on the show, so much so uh, that the last time we spoke, there was a different head coach for the Tigers, and then Cadillac Williams took over in the interim capacity. He's now going to be the associate head coach for Auburn football. What was it like for uh, from someone at, at your perspective, again, with no ties to Auburn, but to see Cadillac Williams roaming and, and racing up and down the sidelines in his role as interim head coach and ultimately getting to be retained by Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did a tremendous job, all things considered. I mean, the, the offense... He gave life to that offense, particularly the running game. I mean, I don't know how many times I came on with you guys and other shows throughout the season and, and kept saying, guys, this, this isn't that hard. Get Tank Bigsby and Dark Horse over the ball. Like, it, it just, it kept, it was my ball. I don't know what Brian Arson and, and those guys were doing, but uh, Cadillac being a former running back, obviously he came in and made it easy. Hey, let's run the ball. And they did so very effectively. And Tank Bigsby had a great end to the season. And, uh, Jocko Sutter had a great season, and so, um, yeah, I, I thought he did a great job keeping everything together, together, getting the kids to buy in, play hard, and, you know, it, it's a weird situation, because did, did he deserve a shot at the job? Sure. Did, did he have all the skins on the wall? No. Um, you know, they higher, had they just given him the job? Yes. So, I, I get all that, but I guess, you know, the, the the best thing about this situation is they were able to retain him. I'm, I haven't heard the numbers yet, but I'm sure they paid him very well to stay. And it's a big, big get for Hugh Freeze. By retaining Cadillac, you still get all the kids that he got to buy in, you know, hopefully stay on and, and buy into what they're selling. And uh, to me, that was, that was the biggest recruiting win so far for Hugh Freeze was winning over Cadillac and keeping him. Chris, you alluded to the transfer portal, and that certainly changes the way teams build their programs now and can affect year-to-year progress. But that being said, let's talk about timeline for Hugh Freeze because obviously this is an Auburn program that expects to win. However, it was an Auburn team this year that was one of the worst in the SEC, and it's losing a lot of its top players for next year. So what is a reasonable timeline and path for success in the coming years for Hugh Freeze? 
Well, I, I mean, I was doing some digging. I was looking ahead to next year's schedule and just, you know, my, my unbiased opinion, I, I think it's a tough schedule. I mean, I don't know what Cal's going to look like next year, but you got to go out there and get Georgia and A&M in the first couple of games. I mean, to, to me, that's it's just a very tough schedule for a guy taking over a, uh, you know, t- taking over a program for the first time and trying to assimilate staff and transfers and new recruits and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I would say seven and five next year will be a nice start, you know, to to uh, his his years at, at Auburn. I mean, if it's eight and four, even better. But I would say that's a realistic expectation. It's it's an improvement from this year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get everybody excited right at home about it, but I think that would be a tremendous start. And um, and you kind of go from there, but but it's it's funny you mentioned the transfer portal. I, I talked about this earlier today. I, I think you know as complimentary as Robbie Ashford was about man, it's a dream come true getting new freeze. I would still go look in that transfer portal, and I would still look to add another quarterback to come in and you know either compete with with Ashford or, or come in and win the job. I mean, I go back to last spring when Brian Kelly took over. Yeah, everybody just assumed Miles Brennan, the, the six-year senior, was going to be the starter at LSU. And Ryan Kelly didn't think it was enough. You know, he had Garrett Nussmeyer, who was bringing Walker Howard as a true freshman. But he said, I think we need somebody else. And they went to Arizona State. They got Jaden Daniels. Most people still expected Miles Brennan was going to be the starter. But Jaden Daniels came in and won that job. And has been the starter for LSU all year and has been very productive. And so I say that with no disrespect to, to Robbie Ashford. I thought he had a a great year. It got better as the year went along, but I still, I look at all these kids sitting in the transfer portal, Malik Horns being at Arkansas, Luke Altmaier at Ole Miss. I would not be afraid to still go out and go get me a big-name quarterback and bring that guy in to compete with Robbie Asher because, you know, look, i, I got to improve this roster upward and down. Chris, you, you mentioned Jane Daniels uh, and you're, you're talking about a, bringing in a quarterback. Well, he's playing in a game this weekend for, for LSU as they take on Georgia in that SEC championship game. Georgia coming off uh, their traditional rivalry against Georgia Tech. Pretty, a pretty easy win, although the first quarter was a little hairy for the dogs. And then LSU comes on the opposite side of that, losing their final game as they took on Texas A&M. And Texas A&M coming out and kind of shocking a lot of people and beating LSU. What is the keys to this weekend's game, and do, does LSU have a chance to knock off Georgia? They, they have a chance. I mean, you know, when I look at what LSU did all season, we, you know, the one thing I learned about this season, guys, is don't be a prisoner of the moment, right? You know, South Carolina goes and gets absolutely curb stomped by Florida. What are, what are we all saying the next week? Yeah, they got no chance against Tennessee. What do they do? They score 60 points and, and route Tennessee, and we're all like, yeah, but they're playing Clemson next week. Surely they can't do that again, and they beat Clemson. So, and don't just assume things. The results from the weeks prior, like, don't just assume that, well, LSU got beat by four and seven A&M, so they can't beat Georgia. No, it's, it's going to be a refocused team. They're, they're going to turn the page, and they're going to they're come out and, and give a great effort. Um, LSU's got to throw the football. The, the problem with James Daniels is when they're letting him throw it down the field and he's releasing it, we saw it against Florida, we saw it against Alabama, we saw it against Ole Miss. He could throw for a ton of yards, and he's actually pretty accurate. He's got a good arm. But what we saw in the Arkansas game and what we saw this past week against A&M was him being timid, him not letting the ball go. I mean, he, he's sitting back there and has time, has protection, and he won't let go of the ball. And I know they preached earlier in the year, don't turn the ball over. Dude, you got nothing to lose here. If you throw three interceptions against Georgia, nobody's going nobody's gonna to yell at you. Nobody's going to go, what are you doing? Like, look, let it fly. You've got – 
uh, Keyshawn Booty and Malik Neighbors and all these different receivers, like, get them the ball and take your shots. And if LSU does that, look, go back and look at the SEC championship a year ago, guys. Bryce Young threw for 400 yards on this Georgia secondary. Like, and I know Bryce Young won the Heisman, so maybe not a, tr- a true comparison to Jaden Daniels, but, like, that's how you beat Georgia, not by running the football. Like, nobody can run the football on Georgia. So that's why I say, like, go into this game, let it fly. On the flip side, if your defense can do kind of what Kentucky did a few weeks ago, and, you know, yeah, Georgia kept getting into the red zone in Kentucky, but guess what they kept doing? Settling for field goals. If LSU's defense can force Georgia to settle for field goals, uh, they can find themselves in a close game. And so, you know, when I see this line, it's 17 and a half, and I think even some books it's up to 18. I start to go, yeah, give me LSU in those points, because I think at the end of the day they'll be able to keep it at least a little close. Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question here. Today uh, marks you know, the beginning, I guess, or, or the agreement of the, the 12-team playoff moving up to 2024. We knew it was coming in at least in 2026, but it's moving up to 2024. Which program in the SEC does that benefit the most? I would say you're talking about the playoff expansion? Yes. Yeah, I, to me it's it's the second-tier teams. Um Alabama and Georgia, they're in a class of their own. Like, they, they don't – playoff expansion, keep it at four, they're still going to be just fine. They're, they're going to benefit just fine from that. To me, this benefits the second-tier teams. And put whoever you want in that category. The LSUs, the Auburns, the Texas A&Ms. You know, Jimbo Fisher – Texas a and has been in the conference for over a decade. They've never been to Atlanta. Uh, Ole Miss has never been to Atlanta. Uh, Kentucky's never been to Atlanta. I mean, these are teams who – have no shot of winning an SEC championship year in and year out, yet they will have a chance to get to the playoffs. I mean, look at Tennessee this year. They they overachieved. They had a great year. Ten wins is nothing to sniff, to sniff at. But at the end of the day, they, they weren't beating Georgia, and they couldn't win the East, and they won't play for an SEC title. But they could be in the playoffs. And so that's where I say that the second-tier SEC teams are, are who benefits most. Shane Beamer, you know, God love him. He's doing a great job at South Carolina. They're never going to win the SEC. But he can get in the playoffs if they have a great year. So that's, that's who this benefits most and really opens the door. And, you know, I, I still think winning the SEC means something. This is going to be Kirby Smart's fifth trip to Atlanta. He's won one SEC championship. So I know it means a lot to him. They want to win. Even though all I keep hearing is, well, Georgia loses, they're still in. <laughs> that's great. But winning the SEC still means something. Winning that SEC championship trophy still should mean something. And uh, Brian Kelly and Ellis earned that and deserved that. And in the playoff this year, LSU probably you know wouldn't be in with three losses. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to benefit the, the second-tier teams, and it's going to open the door a lot quicker for Hugh Freeze, where it's not all about beating Alabama and winning the SEC. That 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 would be tremendous, but. Hey, man, go 10-2 and when you get get yourself in the playoffs. Tell us a little bit about Locked on SEC, Chris. Yeah, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast. And we're on YouTube now. We're uh, just taped a segment with Danny Cannell. We're going to run in the morning. And uh, really awesome. good stuff with Danny. Breaking down all the games this weekend. And got his thoughts on the Hugh Freeze hire. So you'll be able to check that out tomorrow. We'll be sure to do that. Thanks again for taking some time to chat with us today, Chris. Be well. Guys, anytime. All right, that's uh, Chris Gordy, and he's joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Should be a good one. Georgia and LSU going head-to-head 
in uh, the SEC title game. Fun game. All right, we got to take a timeout. Starting to wind down here on a Thursday sports call. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress join me. We're back in a moment. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Uh, winding down on the program just moments, moments away from giving you a nightly TV guide here on Sports Call today. Uh, and we've had a whole lot of fun on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Back on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. A show that you will not want to miss. A lot of great coverage is coming your way. What a fun show it's been. Brooks, Thursday night football in the National Football League is back tonight. You think your Patriots can uh, beat the Bills? Nope. All right. Whoa. Uh, I think that's possible I, I just because of how the Patriots' defense has been playing this year. But I just, you know, as a, as a Patriots fan, I don't have faith in the offense. I know Mac Jones has been fine these last couple weeks. Um, he's he's had some good games throwing the ball, but the problem is is he hasn't been throwing it into the end zone, and the Patriots haven't been scoring a lot. They've they've been getting bogged down around midfield. They haven't been doing a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of uh, exciting stuff offensively. I think part of that goes to there's just not a lot of skill at the offensive side of the ball outside of uh, the running back position, and two, you don't have an offensive coordinator. You've got two guys. Uh, that are offensive assistants, which is what they're calling, and back and forth, who knows who's calling the plays for that game. Um, and there's just not really much of a rhythm going this year. And so, uh, you know, you've got a guy on the other side that's Josh Allen, and you've got uh, a lot of different the, – the, their weakness is the running back position, but they don't have problems scoring points because they've got a lot of explosiveness at the wide receiver spot, and they've got a pretty good defense. And so – if, if boy, it'd be fun to be doing some talk radio uh, up in Boston oh, right yeah. now, Brooks. Oh yeah, if you're breaking down this con, who's calling the plays? I mean, gosh, we'd be able to have a lot of folks calling it. it you know, I mean, it feels like fun. it feels like uh, you know when the Gus Malzahn era was here. Who's calling <laughs> the plays year after year? But uh, this week, this time, it's game after game for the Patriots. Patriots are the home team tonight. They've got a six and five record on the year. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, 8-3 and three on the season. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. Buffalo favored by four points. 8-15 Eastern, 7-15 Central kickoff. 334-887-3401. Toll free at one 9 tiger 9 As we go back to the phone lines, Bill from Tallahassee has called into Sports Call here today. Hello, Bill. Hi, guys. How are we doing this uh, Thursday evening? Quite well. How about you? Not bad whatsoever. Listen, just wanted to offer a, um, a North Florida uh, update, if you will, on maybe a blueprint for Hugh Freeze and the team. I, I think if you look at college football nationally, 
and see what Mike Norvell has done here with FSU uh, in a relatively short period of time and the mess that he inherited, it could be a very valid blueprint. Um, of course, what Lincoln Riley did at USC is similar. You hit the transfer, I call it the free agent, but you hit the transfer portal hard and heavy. You get skilled players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and you establish a powerhouse running attack. And all those things is what Norvell has done here at FSU. And if they can keep their quarterback, Jordan Travis, and they can keep some of their other skilled people, their, their great running back uh, next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see them you know, in, in, possibly making the Final Four. Uh, they're that good if they can improve their defense. But when it comes to Auburn, I think some pieces are there. I really love Hunter as a featured running back. And I think that Robbie... Um, with a little bit of you know instruction, maybe a good bit of instruction, and then just further development on the passing side of things, um, and with with Friesen and his offensive you know prowess, there's a good shot there. I think for Auburn to you know return to some um, semblance of, of having a really offensive powerhouse. That's what we're looking for. Whatever it takes to get the offense scoring a bunch of points again and to put them in championship contention, I, I do think Hugh Freeze can do that. Uh, I, I think that down there in uh, in Florida, to be able to have good recruiting footprints in that state will pay uh, be pivotal in, uh, in making that happen for sure. Yeah, I agree. And listen, the only other thing is I understand uh, rumor has it that a certain intern um, – there on the sports uh, call show. This is his final day with you. Final hoorah. Yeah, he, he has been uh, remarkable. I mean, I, I'll tell you this much, Bill. So great uh, that, one, he's got a lifetime contract with us. Uh, and secondly, we're already hearing Hall of Fame discussions. <laughs> well, since he's a uh, close member of the family, I uh, just wanted to say thank you guys for allowing him to intern with you all. Absolutely. And it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to hear him and learn a whole lot more about Auburn Athletics and War Eagle Forever. And quite honestly, since I understand he's now an expert at pickleball, my work here is done. <laughs> there we go. War Eagle. Thanks for the call, Bill. Good to chat with you there. All right, all right guys. All right. That's uh, Bill from Tallahassee joining us. He is on an the expert program. at pickleball. I mean, he. Insane. Uh, can, should I break down his, his pickleball prowess? Yeah, or? While his father's still listening, uh-huh. let, let's definitely give yeah. his son all the credit and glory. He's unbelievable. The, the reach he has, he puts tremendous spin on the ball. Uh, so you, you'll you have balls that come right to you that then hit hit, hit another level right? Uh, and, and act like a curveball. You like being on his team whenever yep. he is on your team. And yeah, uh, you're you're just hoping for a mistake, right? Because you can't really hit many winners on him with his ability to reach up high. If you get it over his head, it's because you've hit it too high and it's going out, right? Uh, and even if he's playing in the back, you can't really get him forward because he's got athleticism and long reach. So he'll usually get to the, the short stuff. Drew's been great again. Final day for for Drew Bahena's internship, and and really cool uh, to to hear Bill from Tallahassee call and chat with us. Right there, Drew, of course, a Buffalo Bills fan. They're going to be taking on your Patriots, Brooks, which will be a, a fun matchup tonight. And, and who knows, maybe an opportunity in the future uh, allows Drew to kind of reunite with our sports call family. You just never know. So, uh, all right, before our show comes to a close today, let's get you set with the TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV Guide. Boy, oh boy, a nightly TV guide. It's brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks. Yo. What is on television tonight? <clears throat> well, 
I'll tell you, movie Please picks do. for this evening, and I have triple-checked these movie picks, folks, so you can guarantee that these are accurate. Six o'clock on FX, it's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the second installment of the Jurassic World trilogy. Um, they go back to the island, it's blowing up from a volcano, and then they end up at a, a mansion where the dinosaurs are being sold, and guess what? Normal things. There's a new dinosaur that they have to fight. Uh, 6.30 on USA, Pitch Perfect 2, the second uh, installment of the Pitch Perfect saga, I guess. They're coming out with a new Pitch Perfect movie very soon, but it's just like, it's it's just, uh, what's the character's name? Bumper. Like the, it's just him, and it's Pitch Perfect Presents Bumper's Epic Adventure or something. I don't know. Uh, but Pitch Perfect 2, 6.30 USA Network tonight. Then at 7 o'clock on AMC, it is December 1st. It's the holiday season. That means National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is on 7 o'clock on AMC. Chevy Chase and the gang have a wonderful, wacky Christmas. And there, there's your description. Sports on for you this evening at 6 o'clock on ESPN. It is a big one in college basketball. It is number 7 Creighton taking on number 2 Texas from down there at the Moody Center in Austin. That's a big basketball game for earlier in the season. Uh, it is a large one. 7 o'clock ESPNU, I believe. It is ESPNU. Valparaiso takes on Belmont if you'd like some smaller action in the uh, basketball world. Uh, 7 o'clock on the Golf Network, the DP World Tour gets an early start as they're in the, uh, over in uh, Australia. They've got a split schedule right now, actually, but the Australian Open, second round action from Victoria Golf Club is tonight. 7.30 FS1 tonight, Arizona State takes on Colorado in some college basketball. 7.30 on ESPN Dos tonight. It is NC State and Iowa, a big ACC Big Ten Challenge matchup on the women's side of things. The men's wrap theirs up last night. Um, unfortunately, North Carolina did fall. Unfortunately, Duke basketball did win. Just, you know. Carolina basketball not off to a good start. It's it's just, and then, you know, you had some other in, uh, action. But tonight, North Carolina State women take on Iowa. Uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN, Seton Hall takes on Kansas. Big one at the Fog Allen Fieldhouse tonight. Uh, also, 9 o'clock tonight on uh, ESPNU, Washington takes on Oregon State. First uh, opening in the Pac-12 action out there in the West. And then 9.30 on ESPN2, you've got UCLA taking on Stanford. The Pac-12, like I said, getting underway with their conference season already. So a couple conference games for you tonight. And that is a look at what is happening on the Nightly TV Guide brought to you by friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks. Yes, sir. Great to see you as always. Absolutely. Ryan LaVoy, you're a remarkable person as well. Welcome back, Brooks. We'll see you Thank next you. week. Thank you, JJ. Brooks, we'll see you soon too, okay? See you soon. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to everyone that tuned in and called into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. For Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, Drew Bahena. my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.